morning, everybody. Today we're going to be doing a lot more of a deep dive into an idea and a question instead of exploring theological concepts like I tend to do in these events, in these thoughts. And today we are going over the question of why does society need a God? Since you're listening to this and not reading the blog, you'll not be able to notice, but in the blog I've used the lowercase g writing version of God. Because I'm not talking about God with capital G in the usual sense like do in the past. When I'm talking about biblically, then I've always used the capital G. Rather, I'm using the word God with the lowercase g to express an idea. And before we get too ahead of ourselves, I just want to make one thing quite clear. I'm not asking, does God exist? Because that answer is an obvious yes when we consider the complexity of nature all the interconnected systems. Evolution is merely a theory that, and Darwin himself was accepting the fact that his theory can break down. His theory in simple terms was that the birds of the Galapagos Islands can adapt and evolve from one kind into several subcategories that have happened for all creatures. Now, since then, many people have expanded the theory to try and explain why there doesn't need to be a god they've only managed to put off the initial question of what bang is the bang. But let's not get too far from the main point. That point is the impact God has on society. Now then, the question to ask is what type of God am I talking about? And will we be talked about in this deep dive? When we're talking about God in this context, in this deep dive, we're using a God who is all-knowing, all-powerful and who has an active interest in the world with the people who live here. These characteristics may seem like no-brainers to those of you who grew up in the church, but there's also a deeper element to them. Our qualifiers, as I'm calling them, all interconnect together. As the first two and the first two characteristics become useless without the final one when you consider the following. You want this God to be all-knowing so that he doesn't get tricked into helping the wrong people. You want this God to be all-powerful for the purpose of being able to truly help in a way that no one else could. But if he has no active interest in this world, then it doesn't matter how much he may know or be able to do. An apathetic God may as well not even exist about how effective they will be. Our three chosen characteristics are more important than you may think because it causes a ripple effect beyond just how much they impact your ability to get out of jail free, as they say. It impacts individuals who then go on to form groups, and once a group is large enough in influence, it causes changes within a society. A God who knows all things most definitely knows what's right and what's wrong. That means he knows if a person does good or if they do evil, since he knows all things that a person has done. And this leads us to the conclusion that nothing can be hidden, and that there is no matter, no matter how hard to try and conceal something, be it an instance or event of suspicion, for God that knows all things must be one who is unable to be fooled into not saying something. But most importantly, he is also able to properly identify an action being good or bad. This is what allows him to correctly judge people in both their deeds and their motives. 
because this God is almighty, he can subsequently deal accordingly to what a person has done, disciplining people and making them have terror of consequences on either this earth or whatever life comes next. We are not even talking about the concepts of heaven or hell yet. And if this God is almighty, then it should not be such a big stretch of the imagination that he can in some way keep us from escaping him. From that previous logic comes a new conclusion, that this God has a power greater than that of death itself. Please just stop and think of that for a moment and how this impacts people. A God who cannot be escaped through death. I think that would be terrifying. That I think it would be quite terrifying to die here, then come face to face with unbridled power. Just consider how such a paradigm can impact society, how it impacts many societies that believe in that type of God. When someone is of an understanding that we are all beholden to someone far higher than any man, or any man-made institution, they are usually more conscious, and conscious, I mean cautious, but both conscious and cautious in the sense that they take an active thought into the way they live. Please, again, I ask you to stop and think about that for a minute. That and the next piece that I had to say here as I continue onwards through this exercise in logical reasoning. It is only in the 20th century that the belief that there is no God, or that science proves to us why there is no God, has become popular. And in this century, we've seen the most of the deaths occur than ever before. When we look to find the source, you'll find that a large part of it came as a result of communist countries, and places which existed on the principle that there is no God at all. These deaths came either because they were killing off their own people who disagreed with the national narrative, or the deaths of those who were actively fighting against them. Getting rid of God causes man to be without any real fears aside from death, and sometimes not even that is enough to deter them. So those in powers do as they will, by their personality holds sway over people, making them hesitate to stand against their leaders. Please do not misunderstand me here. I'm not saying that speaking against commanding people. Right, sorry, I misread there. I said I'm not speaking against people with commanding auras, personalities. Because in history, there are many people who have had their air of leadership around them. And by that, they do a lot of good. I'm talking about those who have rejected the cultural morality that was founded on the belief in such a God that we are talking about. Those are the type of people who are a danger when they become in leadership positions. And there are cultural morality and then there is spiritual morality which comes from believing in such a God. The cultural morality is what society has come to accept as moral because they have for a long time believed in such a God. We all know people who don't believe in God, but because of culture, they believe the very similar things about what is right and wrong as those who claim that there is a God that will judge the person for their thoughts and actions. Many Western societies were founded on the idea that such a God exists, but now we are seeing the results of a movement that began in the 20th century with the rise of communism to remove that 
idea from existence. One of the things that I point to as evidence of this is the way people have lost the sense of decency for each other. Part of the belief in God included the belief that each person was a masterpiece made by God and thus worthy of a certain level of respect. The most basic level that has been lost is the ability to disagree peaceably with others in life. I point to this one because it's very easy to see in our world. We don't need to look very hard in order to find something that boils down to not being able to disagree with someone without demonizing them or being unable to accept criticism of ideas without taking them as a personal attack against the one who said them. Sorry, I lost my notes there. I'm just going to read that again to make sure I'm clear. People are either unable to disagree with someone without demonizing them, or they're unable to accept criticism of ideas without taking them as a personal attack from the one who said them. I now find that there are only two real groups that exist. There are those who claim to believe in God and those who don't. Of those who claim to believe in God, we can fall into one of two categories. They claim to believe in God, but they do not act like it's one who is defined by three criteria from the beginning, or they are persons who believe in the, that type of God, and that this God is very clearly defined by our initial descriptors. People who fall into the second category allow that mindset of who God is impact their actions and even thoughts, because if there is nothing hidden from this God, that includes thoughts. Thoughts, which are so often considered to be the most private thing a person can have, are not hidden from this type of God. So such a person is careful to examine not just their thoughts and actions, but they decide to the way they decided those actions. They look to understand both the motive and action. If a society is to function, there must be something that keeps people in order. Something that's beyond any mere man. Maybe the thinkers from the Enlightenment era and those who considered the events of history came up with the idea that the best form would be a society agreeing to a set of terms. Thereby, they give up certain behaviors in exchange for other benefits. This is great if no one takes advantage of the finer points of a system. Why does he think that many people have systems that include checks and balances to power? Because we know some people will try and take advantage. But what if the people who are in power you know, have all decided to simply not adhere to the checks and balances? What about that? The checks and balances only work if they're enforced. And they're only enforced if people think that what's being done is bad and needs to be stopped. How then do we decide what is bad? How then do the people who are in charge decide what's bad? There needs to be something that defines what is good and bad, something that they can stand on. Many times that is going to be the laws are in place with clear definitions. So then, what keeps people from simply changing things? If society is based on laws, they can simply change the laws to define things you don't like as wrong. Look at history and you will find many examples of societies where the rulers simply changed the laws. From the example is Germany during the 1930s. We all know how those laws were changed. 
And then in our more recent history, within the past 40 years, was Communist China, as we were getting founded, saying that they were going to get rid of the four olds as they came to power. Those four olds were four parts of their society that they wanted to replace and change. Now my answer to the question of what keeps a society from simply changing the definitions of right and wrong and how they make laws is three letters. G O D or God. God in this context of our defining characteristic of being all knowing, which is also called being omniscient, having all power, which is also known as being omnipotent. And just for clarification, because it's sometimes hard to hear what someone says, I said omnipotent, not to confuse with a different word of a different meaning. And this God who also has an active interest in our world. These three defining characteristics have a massive impact on society when we believe in this type of God. God, now, this type of God is defined by our characteristics is one who will respond to what happens in this world because they know what good and evil is. This God understands what happens to people when evil is allowed to reign free, and so he moves to action for the purpose of stopping those who do evil. Sometimes it's done by turning a person away from their evil, that they may do good for the purpose of damage control to what they used to be doing, and teaching others about the true nature of what they used to do. This is redeeming the evildoer. But sometimes, those who have no intention to turn from evil, no matter what they go through, are allowed to grow in power just so that God can showcase how weak they are compared to him. And for those who feel that death is too good for certain individuals, having the knowledge that those individuals now face God allows them to feel satisfied that they receive what they deserve. Everyone who reads the things I write knows that I am a Christian. And yet, I haven't approached a single theological concept so far. The exceptions would most likely be stating that God exists, and maybe some vague notions that good and evil exist as concrete things with clear definitions. While the three things I use to define God in this context come from the Bible, I merely ask, how do they impact people? I haven't declared them as definitives, except for saying that they are declared in the Bible as definitives. And I truly believe that they are definitive. I'm giving you all this information because it's important for you to realize how important God is for the sake of keeping man as a species and collection of individuals in place. God as an entity which cares about right and wrong, levels the playing field, establishes universal... Sorry, let me retry that phrase. God as an entity which cares about right and wrong levels the playing field, establishing universal rules that are beholden to, that all are beholden to these rules, universal things, which we cannot escape, and they apply to all people in the same way. We might be able to get away with wrongdoing in this world, but not after it, for this God has the power to punish us even after we die, and it creates a moral cloth which holds the sides together. And like cutting away the stains on the garment, it will come apart. The aspect of this that both fascinates, let me retry that. The aspect of this that both fascinates and terrorizes me 
is what will be sewn together from the scraps that we become left with. Will someone come along and restore what was damaged, or make someone dif or make something different? Those are the only two options. Either what was damaged is repaired through people coming to an understanding of why it's important, or is replaced with a new set of ideas. Isaiah 118 Ministries is founded for the purpose of understanding biblical truth and using it as a lens to view society's changes through. I show people the process of how to analyze and work through things, in addition to sharing what I've been learning for the purpose of empowering people to grow. And I don't just mean for them to grow, but for them to learn to study the Bible on their own, being able to understand it without someone else needing to teach it to them. I want people to be able to reason, which is a synonym of to think and ponder. I have just now written roughly 2,000 words and been speaking now for roughly 17 minutes about the impact the knowledge and acceptance of the biblical God has on society. Just that one set of truth about God and think about how the impact the world have caused roughly 2,000 words to be put to text. Consider what happens if every one of us took time to ponder each truth of Scripture to such a deep level and asked how it applied to themselves. If each Christian made an effort to work out their fear and trembling before God, just think how would it apply and impact our world? If each Christian made an effort to work out their fear and to work out their faith in fear and trembling before God, Thank you for reading, for listening, and for sharing today's thoughts with others. Be it through sharing a link, telling them about the podcast, word of mouth, or even the blog, wherever it is. Thank you for sharing it with others. May God bless you. Amen.